News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman in association with Air on News Talk. Now, Ukrainian troops have reclaimed a significant swathe of territory from Russia, uh, pushing all the way back to the northeastern border in some places as part of an advance that forced Russian troops to hastily retreat from occupied land. Uh, for more on this, we're joined by Paul Waters, Emeritus Professor of Peace Studies at Bradford University. Paul, how significant are the gains made by the Ukrainian forces? Uh, they're very significant in one sense, in that a lot of territory has been taken back, something like 6,000 square kilometres, according to reports this morning. And it's also true that the final retreat of the Russians from these areas was very rapid and disorderly. A lot of their troops from the areas had been withdrawn earlier in a more regular way because they believed very strongly that the, the real offensive from Ukraine would actually come down in the south towards, basically towards Crimea, but particularly in relation to Kherson, which was a city in the south which the Russians had taken. In fact, the only major city in Ukraine that was under Russian control, apart from the areas that they'd long had influence over. So essentially, it's significant probably not quite as much as people are saying because the area that the Ukrainians have taken over, which is very very important to them, uh, is not the key area as far as the Russians are concerned. What they're concerned about are the areas really to the farther east, uh, essentially Donetsk and Bukhansk and others, and also Crimea, and they still hold those very strongly. But at the same time, there's fairly good evidence that one of the elite uh, Ukraine, Russian units, the First Guards Tank Army, hasn't been reconstituted fully from when it was really damaged right at the start of the war, but has again taken very considerable losses. And the end result of that is that that is going to damage morale across the Russian uh, armed forces, probably more than anything else. So it is significant, but no, one should not think that in any sense, I'm afraid, that the war is coming to end soon. And the real thing is, is Putin going to be under sufficient pressure in the near future to actually consider negotiations? No sign of that yet, but that could possibly change. Uh, now, I, I, I'm, and I'm deliberately excluding experts like yourself from this, but those of us without that expertise had kind of assumed that while that the best the, that Ukraine could hope for from the war was a, was a stalemate and, and, and peace negotiations. Does this advance suggest that it actually is possible that Ukraine could win this war or is it too early to to start talking like that? Well, I think the thing you always have to remember, I'm afraid, one hates to say this, is the nuclear dimension. And that is that if Putin was really pushed back uh, and he felt that, you know, the status of Russia was uh, under attack and at a risk because of defeat in Ukraine, that is when he would consider at least threatening the use of tactical nuclear weapons. Remember, you go right back to the start of the war, 24th of February, when the initial assault on Kiev failed in the first few hours. And within, what, four days, by the, it happened on the Thursday, by the Sunday, that was when Putin was saying, you know, if NATO interferes too much, then, you know, all hell will let loose. And a very clear warning that the, the Russians will consider using tactical nuclear weapons. And don't forget that, you know, for decades now, the policy of Russia and of NATO has been to go back to tactical nuclear weapons if losing a conventional war. We tend to forget that you know, nuclear deterrence is not all about mutually assured destruction. There might be some stability in that if there was, but it isn't. Uh, and I think this is the one thing, because this is, I think we discussed this before, Shane, the thing one has to remember about this is this is not a war which either side can win in the conventional sense. 
Um, if the Russians were winning, NATO would move heaven and earth uh, to protect Ukraine. But if the Ukrainians were winning, the Russians always had this option. And this is why this is one of those conflicts where the only answer is negotiations. And it's really a question of has what has happened recently made any chance of that increasing? I'm afraid the answer is we don't know, but I think everybody hopes it might. Uh, briefly then, uh, and I, I take the point you're making that let's wait and see how this plays out, but you're not expecting a, a short-term end to this war, unfortunately. That is possible, but that is possible only if it is negotiated. And that is the most important thing. But the problem is, there are many people in the West, one hates to say this, who and this is on the military and political side, who prefer the war to continue because it is draining the Russian economy and damaging the Russian armed forces. And Russia is seen as one of the strategic enemies along with China. So basically, if, if the West was willing to basically support negotiations, we suspect the Ukrainians still are, that is when you might get a breakthrough with the Russians. But at the moment, there's very little sign of that. I'm flabbergasted about that, uh, Paul. Do, do you think there is a lack of will among the, the in, in the West to actually support those negotiations currently? Uh, not among ordinary people. No, no, it's, very no, easy that, yeah. to, uh, it's very easy to see this as a sort of, you know, if you're going to negotiate, well, waiting, basically, you are appeasing the enemy. And, you know, wars don't end very commonly by appeasement. No, there are clearly elements. You see it in the American military and security literature. You know, this is the advantage. You know, Putin has made such a huge mistake. This is the opportunity to actually do serious damage to Russia long term, which means that, you know, if the future conflict, as these people see it, is between the West and the Russian-Chinese axis, which is what many people see on the far right and in politics in the West, then basically this is an opportunity to weaken Russia. That element must not be discounted. It's much stronger than we normally think. Fascinating insight, as always. Paul Rogers, uh, Emeritus Professor of Peace Studies at Bradford University. Thank you for talking to News Talk Breakfast. News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman. In association with AIR. Weekday mornings at 7 on News Talk.